The future of business is responsible. El futuro de los negocios es reescribir el crecimiento de las empresas. Conscious commingling of growth and impact. Le futur du business est conscient et responsable. The future of business is intentional and transparent. The Welcome to the future of business, a podcast run by a team of MBA students which takes you behind the walls of the business school to explore the diverse range of sectors and stories embedded in the Oxford MBA cohort and beyond and how they will shape the future of business. My name is Rudolf Okain, and today I will be speaking to Emil Kustadinov. Emil has a career which spans across pharmaceuticals and medical device industry. He also founded James Crowley, which is a menswear, former accessory fashion brand. Emil and I are both MBA students at the University of Oxford Said Business School, and today we'll be talking about the significance of supply chain in business. Welcome to Future of Business, Emil. Thank you. Big fan of the podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk to you today. You're most welcome. And I also look forward to learning a lot about the supply chain. And I know we're going to have an interesting conversation. So to kick off, I will ask you, what is the strategic importance of supply chain to businesses? Well, supply chains are of paramount strategic importance, I'd say. They, they enable businesses, in many cases, to... Uh, operate effectively but they also have a number of other perks so um, they allow organizations to to plan to spot potential incoming problems and indeed figure out what the mitigations for these risks are and act accordingly all right so if i get what you're saying because these things are very important their risk will also be very significant hitting the business when it comes to how they play a factor in generating revenues or operations. So when I look at the risk, what would you say are the risk companies should look at when it comes to supply chain and how can you possibly mitigate this risk? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are so many different risks that are in one way or another connected to supply chains. I think one that is very prevalent as of late and has been talked about quite a lot is just the shortages of goods or services. Now, you know, we, we've, we've seen out that throughout the uh, pandemic, we have also seen it uh, very recently uh, where a particular good is simply no longer available. Um, not sure if you noticed a few weeks ago in Oxford, you couldn't buy sunflower oil absolutely anywhere simply because there were no seeds being exported from Ukraine, which make up a big uh, part of the... European supply. Now, there are a few other um, risks to consider. One of them would be supplier defaults. So uh, if you work with a number of suppliers over the span of, let's say, a decade, it's not unrealistic to consider that at some point, one of these companies will bankrupt. Um, to really find a solution to that would be um, a engaging with your suppliers, understanding their business and how healthy they are. Now, usually everyone will do that as part of the due diligence before onboarding a supplier, but that's not where it should stop. You should periodically check to make sure that your suppliers are in a healthy state and thus can continue supplying you. I mean, if I get what you're saying, is it the case then that businesses should have like a pipeline of vendors? 
So just in case you do your periodic check and you realize that one of your companies mm-hmm. aren't healthy, um, then you go to the company that you've aligned. Is that the case? And wouldn't that be much of, I'll say, a cost? Because sometimes if you put these guys on, what do you call it? Uh, you put them on standby, you probably want to pay them some rates because you want to say, I can call on you if I need something Im- immediately. How does that work? Yeah, exactly. So I think thinking about that has changed in the last few years. I think it was much more focused a few years ago, but now we're talking about the strength and agility of a supply chain, which means having these multiple points uh, from which you can source. And there are there is a number of ways you can do it. A, you can have them on standby, as you mentioned, or you can split your order volumes between a number of different suppliers in order to make sure that you're keeping that healthy relationship going. Um, and to expand on that, um, it's, it's not great when you do it in a reactive fashion. So don't wait for a supplier to default before you react to it. Indeed, you have to be proactive to make sure that you are supplying your supply chain with the necessary materials then that means that for you to be able to do that and have a diverse portfolio of suppliers you should be having a very good strong in-house team to be able to manage that because you need to manage your ip you also need to be managing your inventories and how you're going to receive your goods or whatever services that you're going to render that means for you to be able to diverse this your in-house supply chain has to be up to the tax for you to be able to execute the agile supply chain you want to do, right? Absolutely. I'm a stark believer that people are one of the most important assets for a business and supply chains make no exception in that regard. You need to have great supply management team that can foster these relationships, that can flag potential problems and most importantly resolve them if they arise. Then that means that it's time that we start seeing supply chain not as just uh, not as a segment of business on its own but it's time probably to embed supply chain in the entire business sort of integrate it because from what you are saying it is like the underlying factor when it comes to businesses you need your goods on time to the customers or you need your goods delivered from the factory for you to shelf them put them on stock so whatever you do if there's a delay it's going to have a ripple effect on how the consumers or the customers get your goods right Uh, That's very true for some businesses. Uh, I think there is a difference uh, simply in in what you do. So say if you were, I don't know, a a SaaS business, for example, that might not be the case, but particularly if you're dealing with goods um, or really anything that requires uh, a supplier for a particular source, uh, a particular sort, excuse me, then absolutely you you need to have... um, that integral part of your business which takes care of uh, the supply chain given what you just said about the risk factor and all that that means the covid pandemic was a serious hit on supply chains yeah i do know covid we didn't get a lot of things but then we all attributed to because there were lockdowns not necessarily because supply chains were distracted so what what was this implic impact of covid on supply chains, on businesses. So if you have a business, let's say in Europe, and they had their factory in China, China went down, in China went into a lockdown. What would you say was the impact on these businesses? It was massive and we felt it both 
as people that are part of the business, but also as consumers. It was so, so obvious. And it, I think it really changed the way that companies think about uh, supply chains. I think it used to be way more about just a race to the bottom back in the day. I think the example that you gave is absolutely brilliant. You know, a European company sourcing product from, from China. And I, I think that used to be not an uncommon example back in the day. You know, you have your single source, this, this one factory that is performing mm -hmm. super well, is able to provide you a good quality product at a pretty good rate. Uh, and, you know, business was smooth, but then comes such a black swan event such as COVID. And suddenly a lot of businesses realized, oh, hang on, we actually, we're risking our whole business here because our supply chain isn't as strong as it should be. And it really, I, I feel it created almost this, um, Darwinian sort of survival of the fittest of businesses. Um, those that were able to adapt to the new situation, that were able to strengthen their supply chain as quickly as possible. I think those these businesses survived and those that couldn't, well, a lot of them went under. All right. So given that COVID caused a lot of distractions, one thing I did notice right after that economies or countries started opening up was the cost increase in freights and supply chains, logistics services? What what would you say attributed to the increase in supply uh, prices? Because think about it, it was redundant, it was being used, so then that means we'll have a lot of supply where the demand was also there. What will cause the increase in these freights? Was it that companies needed to make up for the losses, or what? Uh, I think there isn't a single thing that is just to be the one reason that contributed to that. I think it's a number of different factors. Um, so to start off, you know, very standard business thinking, if you will, supply and demand. Uh, suddenly, you know, COVID was going away. There was a big demand for goods to be shipped from one location to a different location. And naturally, with that, the price increased. Now, bear in mind, uh, we also had the um, Suez Canal blockage at, at some point, which re really um, put a number of shipments to a halt. Uh, and it cost the global uh, economy, I think, about 70 billion over a six day period. So that also is not something to be excluded. Now, um, there are other factors. For example, I think COVID really showed population at large how easy it is to shop online and e-commerce grew exponentially. And I don't think that global supply chains were ready to see that growth, which is another thing that then sp spiked demand and therefore the cost went up. And there is also a number of other uh, factors, which was, you know, consumers became way, um, they had way big expectations at a certain point. You know, I think we're all guilty of wanting something with next day delivery, right? Um, and with that, it meant that when it comes to fulfillment of an order for an e-commerce e store, you can't wait a couple of days to fill a whole truck and then go out and deliver them. No, 
you need to send them right away because the customer expects the delivery the next day. So that meant a bunch of the last mile delivery uh, trucks, which which are, by the way, the biggest chunk of um, the biggest uh, cost of shipment, they weren't running full. They were running only half full. But we also had that spike in demand, which meant you needed more trucks. So you need more trucks and they aren't full. Okay. And then on top of that, because you have these more trucks, the traffic gets worse and everything is slower. So these are also uh, very, uh, very important factors of why prices spiked. And I think why they will continue to spike as well. Oh, okay. So you get something like the queuing theory where you need to put in a lot of goods, but then you're running them half full, like you say. Yeah. So you're having a high cost of operations, but it's not necessarily filling up your tracks for delivery. So you're probably running at a loss at the point because you probably have to deliver, but it may not be full and you don't want to be outdone by your competition, I guess. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? Um, and, and I think businesses have, have felt that struggle with both keeping their, um, their margins intact and struggling to remain efficient. Okay. So given this, what lessons do you think businesses have drawn from these distractions with regard to COVID? Um, quite a few. So I think the first one is you cannot start a supply chain, set it up and then just leave it and consider that job done. I think supply chains now are something that requires constant management. Um, it also requires being way more proactive with understanding your suppliers their struggles, your second, the secondary suppliers that you have even, and, and tier three suppliers as well, and what they struggle with, because eventually their problems will become your problems. And the sooner you act, the more likely you are to mitigate any risks for your business continuity. That is number one. Um, number two, I think is, it's not necessarily just who is going to give you the best price at the quality you want to. I think we touched upon that a bit earlier, but I really want to emphasize how important it is that you have a plan B, you have a plan C, and you have a plan as much as you want to go for it. Because even if at some point you hurt your profit margin to a certain extent, you're still in business. If your supply chain goes down and you don't have a secondary one, then you have no profit margin because you have no business left. So I guess uh, businesses that are into, let's say for instance, fast fashion, mm -hmm. where they like to turn around their products quicker mm -hmm. and keep less inventory so that they can meet the agile needs of customers. Is it the case that you will see them in the future having more inventory than they had before? I actually think businesses like fast fashion were probably ones of the best positioned to respond to all of these disruptions uh, because they already knew how to work in a very agile way with their suppliers. Um, I, I don't actually think that they will need more stock. Uh, I think that they operate in a way in which they keep as little stock as possible, not to fill up their warehouses and they just iterate on their product more and more and more to really uh, find these products that will sell the best. 
And I think they're also really well positioned in the sense that a lot of them would uh, employ pretty local suppliers if, if the opportunity is there, of course. Um, and that has put them in pretty good position to adapt and to continue to operate. All right. So I want to take this view. You talked about how companies, because of the lessons drawn from COVID, will want to have plan A, plan B, plan C, or diversify their supply chain. Then it also comes to climate change and at zero, mm -hmm. where you realize that companies are also trying to narrow in and reduce their footprint. So now it creates a tension between if I want to go lean and reduce my footprint, I'll have to have less suppliers. But if I want to also look at how I can mitigate the distraction supply chain, I want more supplies. How are companies working on this? Trying to be net zero compliant while trying to also maintain a good number of suppliers. Because the more your suppliers, the more you're increasing your scope of emissions when the, all these guys are moving around with trucks, shipping or planes. Where, whereas when you have a smaller one, you're probably limiting the scope. So how are companies working within this? Trying to be compliant when it comes to net zero and trying to maintain a healthy portfolio of suppliers. Uh, that's another great question and green logistics has been something that's been talked about a lot in the sphere of supply chains um, and I think to to a certain extent it's not really about the quantity of suppliers that you have but it's more ab about the geography of where they are located so um, a lot of businesses have started considering how far are the suppliers from us and potentially reshoring back or sourcing locally in order to make sure that all of these emissions are, are being saved. But that being said, it's still quite difficult to really go towards net zero uh, just because of the reliance of uh, fossil on fossil fuels in logistics. So I think it's easier for smaller businesses rather than, than bigger ones. Yeah, I think it's gonna take bigger businesses even longer to adapt um, but really, I think when we're talking about net zero, when we're talking about sustainability, I don't believe that logistics is the first place to seek these targets. I think that sustainability actually starts with product design. So, um, you know, instead of thinking, okay, are, are we having electric trucks deliver our products? Maybe think about, okay, how do I source the materials to create the products that I sell, um, are they sustainably sourced? Uh, what about my packaging? Is my packaging sustainable? In some cases, do I even need a packaging for my product? And I have a funny story. A few um, weeks ago, I was uh, at Jericho in Oxford and I went to this one store whose name shall remain hidden. Uh, and I bought a banana and the banana was wrapped in cling foil. <laughs> and I was thinking, that is so unsustainable. Why, why would you do that? Mother Nature has given us this great packaging and then we've added another layer of plastic on top of it. And I think that's a great example of how a business should think about their products, obviously in a much more complicated way, but in the same sort of theme. Okay, and, and I also do know that these days, uh, consumers are influencing how, like you said, how businesses should source their products or influencing businesses supply chain so these days consumers are wondering where did you get your product from did you get it overseas if you got it overseas 
how much emissions did you did your supplier or your vessel or your means of logistic produce or emit uh, if you got it closer how are you trying to be sustainable within your supply chain spheres how much of these do you think is being pushed by the customers if any at all i think quite a lot i think particularly in the west we've become quite conscious of sustainability and we really there's a lot of research showing that we want to spend our money with sustainable brands and sadly i think there's a lot of greenwashing going around and i don't think that this is with um really so, some sort of uh, malicious agenda i think just a lot of businesses don't understand sustainability in its full scope because it is so difficult to understand and they hyper focus on a particular part and say okay we're we're very sustainable on this one particular segment of our supply chain but perhaps the rest of the supply chain isn't really uh considered to that regard so um to go back to your question because i deviated a bit i th i think it is the customers that are really putting that pressure onto companies to be more sustainable but it is also companies that really want to be prepared for the future in which we expect the customer to be even more conscious of that so it perhaps i'd say 50 50 at this stage okay so then if i take it all back companies need to put in a diverse portfolio of suppliers companies are trying to meet demands by being agile buying more tracks so that they can deliver quicker because there's that big demand companies are trying to do sustainability all I see here is cost, 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 cost. Uh, how do you think the consumers currently, when we see high cost of living right now, is going up? It doesn't mean we've solved the supply chain problems, which is being compounded by the high cost of living. How is that going to affect businesses when it comes to, in terms of pricing of their product and how customers are going to receive them? Are you expecting customers to switch uh, products or companies or whatever they consume based on the prices of how much these companies put on because of how much they are paying for logistic-wise? Uh, it's, it's interesting to speculate on that. No one truly knows what is going to happen in the future, but um, I believe to a large extent companies will have to embrace technology in order to bring all of these costs back down uh, because obviously we are heading towards uh, a cost of living crisis and customers will become more and more price conscious and similar similarly they're not going to suddenly drop all of their sustainability concerns and so on perhaps they will to a certain extent but not fully so i think yes you're right all of these problems are really compounded with each other and companies will have to get very innovative very quickly in order to make sure that they remain competitive okay that's good so that means from from the conversation we had supply chain is not something you can just have as a segment or a branch of the business like in isolation as a standalone and only call upon when we need products but then from your planning all the way to your operation to execution you should be looking at your supply chain to see how it fits into your whole operation model then I guess going forward, businesses are going to look at supply chain differently because when I look at like a sector like uh, oil and gas, for instance, mm -hmm. it changed quite for a while now. I mean, 
people are building f- ships to to transport gas. People are putting in more pipelines for to all the way between countries, all the way thousands of miles, kilometers to supply products. And you look at that and realize that they are putting in all these mitigation measures. So if there's a problem with the pipeline, you can get ships to take it. If not, you can get tankers to go. And what you do realize is everybody is trying to be a bit diverse on how the products get to the market. And I guess that how you think about your supply chain will be very, very important going forward. And it also impacts your cost because nobody wants to buy high product. So that's really good. That's really good. But before I let you go, Emil, before I let you go, what would you say is your favorite thing to do in Oxford? Oh, that's that's probably the most difficult question you've asked me today, Rodolf. <laughs> um, there are a few things I really enjoy. Uh, I'm going to cheat a bit and I'm going to give you two things instead of one. No problem. Um, one is just walking around particularly central Oxford because of all of the unique architecture and all of the little stories you can find uh, around the city. Uh, I find it to be quite picturesque. It still feels like I'm part of a novel after being here for so long already. Uh, And the other thing actually is meeting people. Uh, Oxford is so diverse and you meet a very interesting person with a great background almost on a daily basis. So I think those two really take the top spot for me. Oh, I do agree. I mean, sometimes I walk around the buildings and you see the blue thing where they say this guy lived here and they give a little background of what happened in this particular area. And you realize that, oh, this was about four or 500 years ago. And you're like, oh, wow. I mean, you, 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 feel, you feel privileged and honored to be walking in these circles. And the people you talk about, oh, it will blow your mind. You get to meet people with different backgrounds fascinating background especially when you go to the colleges so yeah i do agree with you i think i think yeah i love that as well i, I, agree as well. I mean i've enjoyed talking to you emil i learned a lot about supply chains and these days i'll be looking out for it i'll be looking out to businesses and how they treat your supply chains maybe i will see if i can relate to it after our conversation sounds great thank you thank You're you most for welcome me. we would love to hear your feedback regarding the podcast and learn how we can make it better So please fill out the survey link in the podcast notes. Thank you.